0: This is Carrie. And this is Jenny.
1: And you're listening to Honestly Unfiltered.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Honestly Unfiltered with Carrie and Jenny. Today we have with us Tiffany Kane, and she is the podcast host for Radical Audacity of the Heck Yes, formerly known as Love and Life After Divorce. Tiffany's podcast is all about supporting women that are in a difficult marriage and are going through a separation or divorce, or that have divorced and are having a difficult time moving on. In her work as a life coach, she provides women the tools that they need to feel empowered by releasing the shame, trauma, and sense of loss from a difficult marriage and divorce. Thank you for joining us today. How are you, Tiffany?
2: fabulous i'm absolutely thrilled to be here today i know when i spend time with you i always laugh and i'm up for <laughs> um some uplifting time today so i'm excited to be here
1: we're excited to have you it's nice to meet you tiffany
2: thank you carrie
0: <laughs> yeah when we talked last carrie was down with her diverticulitis <sighs> so Oof. yeah not fun so not fun it.
2: no <laughs> not at
1: all this middle age road is hard
2: I mean, I'm finding so much joy. I don't know what you're talking about. I think the neck wrinkles are fantastic. The rogue, um, you know- Body Silver hair. hairs. Oh, the body hair that grew out of the middle of my forehead the other day, about three inches long, just like a unicorn horn. I was, the little Fu Manchu thing that just popped uh, up on my chin. Yeah. Like I'm loving this middle age. I don't know what you're, you're talking like- about. Oh my the God. bye bye arms they're fantastic yeah. <laughs> i love it Seriously. love it oh, every minute I, I
0: have found that my hair has stopped growing in some places and started growing in others and mine all grows yeah and now that i've lost i've been up and down with my weight my entire life but now that i'm losing it at this age um, it's my neck's not going back to where it was. Once, <laughs> yeah. Where it once lived. It's like, ugh, what happened? Yeah.
1: I feel a lot younger on the inside. Me too, right? My skin had a lot more elasticity.
2: <laughs> <laughs> ugh. I love when you're like having a great day and you're feeling all sassy. You're like, I'm rocking the outfit. I'm feeling good. <laughs> and then you like catch yourself in the mirror and you're like, who's that? Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> or
1: when you, like, leave the house and you're going to an event or something and you're like, oh, my God, you know, in my head, I look like a 10. Someone takes your picture and you're like, who the uh-huh. fuck's that lady?
2: <laughs> I'm like, Uh no. I thought I was,
1: just, like, totally killing it. <laughs>
0: I don't know about you both, but sometimes I forget that I am 48. I it's like mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, "Oh my gosh." And some of those aha moments like I'm 48. I'm not 25 anymore or 35 mm-hmm. and it's that you realize that for me, it's my father passed away at the age of 52 of cancer mm. 20 years ago this week actually. And oh. the closer I inch to his age, I realize how young he was. Mm-hmm. And but when I was twenty seven, yes. when he passed away, I thought he was, you know, you know, middle aged, older. But
2: I, I feel like right. our
0: generation is a younger forties, fifties yeah. than than the previous.
2: Mm, I agree. Yeah, they so, probably felt that way too about themselves. Though. Probably, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yet it, it's true. It's true that the closer you get to middle age, the less middle age middle age seems because you are like, but wait, I am. I'm still rocking it in my head. <laughs> and hey. and when am I supposed to understand this adulting thing? Like, is it supposed to kick in at some time where I get what it means to <laughs> pay the bills and make the adult decisions? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I still we we still haven't grasped that concept. No. No. I I always say, you know, know, the ten year plan and then ten years comes and goes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But you you kind of had that um i don't know how like moment where you decided although you, you you um left your your teaching job correct because of the situation where you felt that you weren't appreciated and that was you know and, and i don't know do you think that your age and maturity had something to do with that because i know we've talked about it on the podcast that um when we were in our early 20s we would stay in positions for long periods of time where we were undervalued because we didn't know to speak. we're not, not didn't know to, but too timid to speak up. Yeah. Or make that change.
2: I would say, so I'm in the process, you know, as teachers, we sign contracts. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. my contract is up this year. And so May, June. Uh, So yeah, I'm not signing a new contract, which is, Utterly terrifying and exhilarating at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say it's my age and my maturity because um, if you don't mind me telling the story of why I made this decision, I'll go ahead and pop into the story. Yeah. So um, after my divorce, I went and I got my master's degree and I was gung-ho. I love teaching. I love being in the classroom. I love working with the kids. I love making a difference. But I just had this calling to make a difference on a bigger level. Um, seeing you know what was going on with my students and and what was going on in their lives I just wanted to have a bigger hand in helping make their lives better Um, and I've just always had a calling for that of for you know being a change maker on a bigger level and so I got when I got my master's after my divorce and thought okay this is when I'm gonna do it how I'm gonna do it and um, you know moved into the district level position and started training teachers and it was it, that's been four years of doing that, and it's really been um, a huge learning experience on so many levels and lots of painful learning, really of learning how hard it is to make change. And when you are a change maker, you're not really fully embraced. It's not really – as a teacher, you don't quite realize that. Um, you have a different understanding for the political engine when you're a teacher. I think because you're so isolated in your little, your classroom and your environment and your school site, you don't realize the uh, massive machine, you know, behind it all Mm -hmm. and you know, it's a giant, giant ship, cargo ship and like to turn that takes a long time, right? And there's lots of layers and lots of people and so um, I think that's been a really important lesson for me to learn and a pretty hard, painful lesson. So basically every time I tried to kind of continue moving into positions that would allow me to be in more of a position to be a change maker, I got a lot of pushback and didn't get it. And so finally I had a conversation with my boss um, at the end of last year and just said, hey, what's going on? Like, why is this not happening for me? I know I'm qualified. I know I can do this. I know in every fiber of my being that I can absolutely do this so I don't understand what's going on. And her answer to me was so illuminating. Um, she said, Tiffany, you just have too much passion. You have too much passion. Unbelievable. And it's, you know, it it you just need to, to tone that down and, and bring that down. And I seriously <laughs> looked at her and I went, wait a minute, I have too much passion. Right. And she said, yeah, yeah. Your passion can be very off-putting for, teachers and other people that are tired and can't follow your energy and i just it broke my heart at the time Mm -hmm. and you know i went home and had my glass of whiskey and and cried about it a little bit um but it was one of those big aha light bulb moments of okay what they just told me is if i want to move forward with them i have to change who i am i have to dim my light i have to you know hide my light under a basket i have to change who i am in a way, I have to sell a part of my soul to fit in with this organization that I've been with for 20 years, you know? So it was a big aha moment of, um, I'm not willing to do that. I'm not willing, like no position is worth that for me. And I realized I couldn't stay because I can't just, I'm not a person who's just going to say, okay, well, let me just sit where I'm at and just do my job. I've never been somebody who's like, I'll just do my job. That's fine. Never, ever. So um, yeah, so that was, I I got a fire lit under my rear end and said, okay, well, I'm going to make something for myself. So it's terrifying. I'm not going to lie. Teaching is, I've been in there 20 years. It's what I call a bookend job. It's Okay, you know when your vacations are, you know what your health insurance mm-hmm. is, you know basically what your retirement's going to be, you, you have a container, um, everybody is on the same pay scale, like it's all out there, you're never asking right. for a raise because you, it's all out there, like everybody makes the same. It's also the same thing though, it doesn't matter how hard you work. And you're going, you're going to make the same as the person next to you, even if they go home at two right. thirty every day and and don't put the work in. And so, um, it is a bookend job. It's health benefits. It's retirement. It's I know when vacations are, but at the same time, it feels like a cage to me. And so, it's time to leave that that known and jump yeah. out into the unknown.
0: Well, you know, it's it, it, it's it's. It's th- what the sad part about it is, is that there aren't enough teachers that are passionate and mm-hmm. that are willing to make a difference and um, aren't complacent. I know I can tell you that as my son is 17 and going through, you know, um, you know he's a junior now in high school, and the teachers that he have he has had throughout his life that have made a difference, and the ones that have that were complacent or Mm -hmm. even made him dislike school because they Mm -hmm. were so burnt out that they would just scream at the classes the entire time. So it's a shame because um, good teachers do make a difference. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're one of those and which is great, which is phenomenal that, you know, you, that's, I mean, something you probably I'm sure are very proud of that you make a Mm -hmm. difference in, you know, children's lives and you know, you're, not directly teaching but you're you know involved in it and teaching the teachers training the teachers
2: and here's the thing jenny i would say probably 95 percent of people that go into teaching go in with great passion and mm-hmm. zeal and desire mm-hmm. to do great things for kids unfortunately the system is created that you know within probably 10 years sometimes five years that zeal and drive gets destroyed for a lot of teachers. It's just very hard to maintain that mm. um, with the current system the way it is. It's not really the teacher's fault. No,
0: it's the no. system's
2: fault, and it's multi-layered. Like there's not one easy answer to it. And um, you know, we could I could get on my soapbox and talk yeah, about that forever. I mean, but <laughs> my not-
0: um, my son's first grade teacher and my. I- left teaching after my son's class for the same reason. And she was a phenomenal teacher. Mm-hmm. And my sister-in-law was a music teacher in a high school um, when my, when my brother married her and she left within a couple of years as well because mm-hmm. she, it was just so much that she, yeah. it, you know, it she just decided that that was not where she wanted to be her, the rest mm-hmm. of her life. She was young enough to make a difference somewhere yeah. else. And yep. mu- she was a music teacher, but yeah. Very so sad. that is very, <laughs> that is very very sad um i did um last night i read the article that you did for medium.com mm. and mm. which one I, uh the one <laughs> the one where i can't remember the name of it but the one where um it's all about me oh it, yeah. And yeah i really enjoyed it uh because you know um I I can sim- I can empathize with mm-hmm. um you know the man you were married to and the the way he gaslighted you by saying that it was always about you but you know and and criticized you and then there are the trolls online that say the same did th- do the same things mm-hmm. the bullies that are there that weren't there 20 years ago because we didn't have the internet but um but no I found it to be a refreshing um point of view just because you stood up for yourself and Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of women a lot of people in general will cower away when something like Mm -hmm. that happens or delete the comment and Mm -hmm. um just sit you know just basically retract into themselves
2: so listeners what jenny's talking about is i um i had made a post on uh, uh, in, in Instagram and I'd done a, a podcast episode on no I don't think I'd done the episode at, at this point I think I just made a post um, I I woke up it was the Simone Biles uh, situation you know when she uh, pulled herself out and my initial response to her pulling herself back was not the response I was proud of or the response I wanted to put out mm-hmm. on social media. So the response I put out on social media was so proud of you, Simone, strong woman, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But my initial gut response was, how could she? She's letting people down. She works so hard for this. How can she let herself down? Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I took a beat, I took a minute and said, no, 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 this is her decision. Good for her. But I really in that article, wanted to examine why was my initial response not one of support for her. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to examine that. And I did examine it and then I made another Facebook post about examining that and how I it was, I think it was something called Dear Simone Dear Simone Biles, I have a terrible thing to admit. And so it was almost like a little letter to her of, you know, I'm sorry that I didn't support you in my initial thoughts, uh, but here's why as I examined. I examined that it came from my wounded place, from the messages that I got in my marriage and, and growing up and stuff like that. Uh, so it was very vulnerable and open and um, you know, just a thing I wanted to share. And most of the feedback, 98% of the feedback was, oh my gosh. I had the same feelings and I felt ashamed of my feelings as well and thank you so much for sharing them but I did get that one person that said oh nice for you to make this all about you you know and Mm -hmm. um, it it struck me because that was exactly like you said what my ex-husband would always say and I decided yeah it is about me this is my forum this is my Mm -hmm. Instagram page this is my podcast Mm -hmm. this is my medium page that I'm writing on my blog page. So yeah, this is about me and understanding myself better and mm-hmm. trying to be a better human being. And so yeah, thank you. It is about me. And I'm, I'm going to own that. So that's what that was about.
0: <laughs> well, I, you know, and, and, and that's, I feel like I, I I know when I was growing up, I felt like I came from a place where um, we were supposed to suppress our feelings and mm-hmm. not make it about mm-hmm. us and take a back seat to the men or to whatever. <laughs> everyone Basically, in the yeah, house. Everyone in yes. the house, even. <laughs> I mean, I, my real. mother was very self-centered and is narcissist mm-hmm. is a narcissist. And I think there's a little bit of borderline personality disorder there. And maybe a, yeah. my brother's therapist says a smidge of sociopath or Mm. something else I don't know but she's a very self-centered woman and I Mm -hmm. so I grew up always taking a back seat and and it's Mm -hmm. always been something similar where if I stubbed my toe she broke her foot and (laughs) so (laughs) I I understand that and I I feel like we I feel like we make a difference in the world when we do put our opinions forward and let other people know that we're thinking the same thing Absolutely.
1: And that we're all imperfectly, we're all perfectly imperfect. Yes. Yes,
2: Carrie. Yes. And we're
1: all learning and growing and this is part of life. And instead of like praising someone for acknowledging, oh, you know, this was my first initial thought.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: People will just be negative because they're miserable people. Mm-hmm. Like they don't like their own life.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, but and I how powerful. Ask, oh, Sorry.
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going
2: to say how powerful to be able to say, okay, I had an initial thought and I changed mm-hmm. it because I yeah. looked inside myself and said, mm-hmm. "Ooh, that initial thought doesn't feel very good. Where did it come from? Why am I having that? And I have curiosity about your feelings. And then to be able to discuss it with others mm-hmm. without shame of being able to say, you know sometimes i think things i'm not proud of sometimes i think things that aren't necessarily in alignment with who i am as a person but those are the initial thoughts that come in my head Mm -hmm. and i'd like to discover why and i'd like to analyze it and anybody else want to do that with me because then we grow as humans when we understand ourselves better and we don't have to be perfect because we're not going to be perfect and we can grow and we can change and we can learn definitely i
0: And I think that a lot of it comes in in our upbringing in childhood. And Mm -hmm. I read a quote once that said, you know, raising a child is like putting your fingers on a glass bowl. It's going to smudge Mm -hmm. no matter how you um, hold it, but you don't want to crack it. And it's, it's, it's very, I've been very, um, self-aware in in you know my motherhood with my son um, I was gonna say motherhood journey I but I hate that word journey I feel like it's overused <laughs> just came to the top of my head um, but but to do the things and sometimes and I I I go to therapy as well Carrie and I share the same therapist and oh how fun ironic. yeah she referred me <laughs> who's excellent but I I've I've discussed it with her and I've said sometimes I feel like I will make the wrong decision and undercompensate something because my mother went the opposite way. And maybe Mm -hmm. I didn't I should have there should have been a happy medium down the middle that I should have guided him and um, but I didn't want to cause him the childhood trauma that I I endured. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, she she told me that I was self-aware and I broke the Mm -hmm. cycle and I'm okay. And I'm not Mm -hmm. as messed up in the head as I think I am, which is always (laughs) positive. But That's
2: always a nice thing to hear. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So I do think a lot of our thoughts and fears and initial reactions do come from a place Mm of um, where we grew up and how we were molded. Wounded in our child.
1: Yeah. Well, when you mentioned just like triggers in that article, it's so true because somebody can just do something. No matter how much therapy you've been through And it will just throw you back To this place Mm -hmm. in your life And you're like what the hell Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy Now I did want to ask Though was Like To decide to leave a marriage after 19 years Mm -hmm. How many years would you think That you were actually like In your mind thinking I don't Mm want to be here before yeah. you actually left because usually it's a great question depending on the person but like most people it for women usually is a pretty decent amount of time mm. it is
2: absolutely so i would say a good five years yeah uh so you know there had been a lot of verbal abuse and even a little bit of of quote unquote mild physical abuse um mm but you know any abuse is not okay so it was Mm -hmm. a toxic relationship but it was something that um, i'd been raised so religious and you just don't get out of your marriage right and i'd also been raised to believe that men were the heads of the house and yada 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 and you defer to them and your job is to make them happy and all of these things that lead to a perfect storm for enduring toxicity and gaslighting and Mm -hmm. believing that somehow you're wrong But yes, it had gotten probably five years before it had gotten to the point where I was like, I just don't know how to continue like this. Mm -hmm. Um, I had had a miscarriage, and for me to get pregnant, I had to be, you know, medically helped. um, Mm -hmm. And a miscarriage, and I desperately wanted a second child. And um, he, you know, we the night we got home from the hospital and I'm crying and I'm hurting and Mm -hmm. he told me that we were not going to ever try for another child again. He was done. We're not going to do this. And so it was almost like losing not only that child, but also losing all future children and broke my heart. A lot of grief. Mm -hmm. A lot of grief. A lot of grief broke my heart. A lot of grief. And then six months later we had a spontaneous surprise pregnancy. (laughs) Oh my God. And I, I can't even tell you how horrible that pregnancy was. just Ooh. how awful. Oh, no. it was with us and with mm. um and I, I you know, looking back, I have a lot of compassion. I'm not making any excuses for him, but he is a very mm. wounded person, lots of wounds mm. from his mm. youth and and everything. And for him, there was a lot of fear around my pregnancy, mm. a lot of fear of losing the baby, a lot of fear of losing me in my first pregnancy. I was extremely ill, um, on bed rest, in and out of the hospital, and you know he was born a preemie, and um, you know so he had a lot of fear, and unfortunately, rather than showing his fear in an open, vulnerable way that would bring us closer, he showed his fear in a more toxic way, Mm -hmm. um, that you know just drove us apart and made things worse, and so that was that pregnancy, and and I did end up having a very difficult pregnancy, bed rest, and at that time we had a five year old. So being on bed rest with a five-year-old and him having to, you know, really step mm-hmm. up and take over just exacerbated a lot of the problems we already had. Right. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't let him come to the hospital with me. I was in and out of the hospital a lot, and I would never let him come with me because it would just make things worse. I'd always call his mother mm-hmm. and say, "You need, I need you to take me. He can't go with mm-hmm. me to the hospital, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and I knew then, and it, it, it just didn't get much better after The baby was born and and my little guy is, he was the most difficult baby, (laughs) he was horrible. How old is he now? We called him Miserable Max, he was just terrible. Uh, I love him so much, but oh, such a hard baby. Uh, He's 11 now, he's 11, yeah. Uh, He was Captain Carnage, Captain Mm -hmm. Contrary, Miserable Max. (laughs) He was just the the epitome of difficult child, but he was difficult because he was brought into a difficult situation, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. um and he's so much healthier now and so much better now and we have such a great relationship but so yes so like it, he was four when we got divorced and mm-hmm. it was all that yes carrie to answer your question it it really took that amount of time for me to try everything mm-hmm. under my power we went to therapy you know we did everything i read every book possible just Like, I need to save this marriage. Um, But I just couldn't. It just got to the point where I just couldn't.
1: What advice to anybody listening or wisdom would you give them? Because I think a lot of people carry a lot of shame Mm -hmm. if they're thinking, I'm not happy in this marriage. I'm not getting what I need. And because we're always conditioned to put everyone else first. Yeah. Um, I mean, what would you say to them to maybe just reassure them that there's no shame in Mm -hmm. this after you've tried and tried and tried to make, make a step in the other direction?
2: I love this question so much because I think it's very nuanced and I think it's different for everyone. For Mm. some people, the marriage may be able to be saved, but it would be saved through look into yourself and start putting yourself first. Because honestly, nobody can have a true relationship with you while you're not showing your true self. So Mm -hmm. if your needs are not being met, if you're not making your needs known, if you're not meeting your needs, if you're living Mm -hmm. in a place where you are holding a lot of resentment, you Mm -hmm. are in that, superwoman energy of I've got to do everything, I've got to do everything, I've got to do everything, and you're not meeting your needs. People think you want to be the woman that's doing everything, and so they're going to let Mm -hmm. you do everything because, well, she likes doing it, so let her do it. In the meantime, you're Mm -hmm. dying inside, so you're not letting your authentic self come out. So my first word of advice would be start by standing tall for yourself, setting your boundaries, putting yourself Mm -hmm. first, taking care of yourself, whether that's going to a therapist, whether it's um, getting yourself, eating healthy, working out, like making that Mm -hmm. time for yourself, spending time Mm -hmm. with your girlfriends, reading the books that you want, like whatever Mm -hmm. that self-care looks like, going back to school, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. that's gonna make you feel like a whole, complete human being, When you are a whole complete human being, then you can give so much more to others and their relationship Mm -hmm. with you is so much more authentic. And so, yeah, Yeah. that may save your marriage because suddenly your husband or your significant other, if you're married to a woman, might be, oh, dang, this person is hot. This person, like, (laughs) it's really attractive when somebody has the boundaries, Mm -hmm. like they hold themselves Mm-hmm. like a queen like that actually is really attractive to the right person when they're truly attracted to you so it may save your marriage right then yeah. my other word of advice is if you do that and the person is like um, no I like the old you that I could um, wipe my boots off on and kick in the rear Rock end if I felt over. I needed to then then you know they're not your person because they don't mm-hmm. love you mm-hmm. and then it's perfectly okay to release them with love and like I said I have a lot of compassion for my ex I don't hate him. Now, I did go through a time where I fantasized yeah. about cutting the <laughs> brake lines on his car. I'm not gonna lie. But <laughs> I have a lot of compassion and a lot of love. And he's my kid's father. And mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of good qualities about him. And so if you can release somebody with love and compassion and move on with your life, then then there's no shame in that.
1: There really isn't. No, there isn't. But people just need to know and understand that Mm -hmm. it's okay to want to be happy. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: It's not okay. It's vital. It's important. Mm -hmm. Your kids need you happy and healthy and whole. They don't want stressed out, exhausted, resentful, grumpy Mm -hmm. mom. That's not good for them. They can't have a relationship Mm -hmm. with Mm
0: that. No. No.
1: No, It's
2: vital. Your happiness is vital. Now, I was interested
0: in how is he as a father to his children? Is he loving a better father father than than he was a husband? Because you see that in a lot of men that are great fathers, but they're horrible husbands.
2: I will say that he's doing better. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just going to smile and yeah. plead the, the fit because, yeah. <laughs> you know She's what? Gonna go um, bless your
0: heart. The, yeah. yeah.
2: The kids are, are are clean and fed and clothed and they love their father and mm-hmm. they know he loves them. Mm-hmm. So and that's, that's, that's got to be good is. enough. Yes, that's it gotta is. That's got to be good
0: enough. Yeah. yeah so. I, I find that sometimes, you know, my son amazes me. I swear he's he's an old soul. Um, but I did, I, I I um, I read an article that said um, when when children are raised by narcissistic have one ra- narcissistic parent that they either become narcissistic themselves and carry on the abuse or they go the opposite way and they become empaths. And mm. my brother and I went the opposite way. Um, Look at my sister and I. Yes, true, mm. true. Mm-hmm. But my son, he's you know he is i like to think that he has been shown so much love by me and his father although his father doesn't always show it he knows the love is there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. because he's of the things he sh- my husband he shows his love indifferently by buying him things and taking him to the places he wants to go he's it's taken him like 20 years of our marriage even to for him to be more emotional because that's mm-hmm just how he is um and but my son in his relationship with my mother he's witnessed a lot of her abuse towards me as an adult Mm -hmm. and it's something that i have tried very very hard to keep him away from because they did have a bond they do have a bond and when he was a baby she did um and i worked she did take care of him for me during the day but he he is able to compartmentalize the things she says and does Mm -hmm. and tells me, yeah, they go in one ear and out the other. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know, I know what she's saying is not right and it's wrong, but, you know, if I tell her, she's not going to listen, so I just ignore it. And to look at him at 17 years old and say, wow, (laughs) I wish I I, I was like that at 17, because Mm -hmm. at 17, if someone said or did looked at, looked at me cross ways I would retreat into a shell <laughs> but yeah you know. yeah
2: but you're also giving him a buffer and mm-hmm. a a different frame of reference when it's your own parent you don't really have a different frame of reference right true A grandparent there is a different true Very there true. is a, a level of removal of there's a buffer in between and and you are teaching him what a loving supportive parent is. So, he's got that frame of reference, and I
0: think as long as they have at least one, um, like your children. Obviously, mm-hmm. I, I feel like with you that they have more. Like you probably make up for five parents in your. I don't thinks. know. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, we all we're, we're, we're all we all make mistakes. We're all we're not we none, of per- we're, none of us are perfect. No... But but I feel no. like you would be like just in hearing you um, like talk to your son when you, just before we were getting on over just you know i'm gonna you know do this this and this and just in your voice you you generally get a sense of people and i I truly believe and that if you have one parent that is truly good then you are still you may come out of childhood a little jaded from the other parent that wasn't but you have you're not damaged you're not Mm -hmm. um You're able to recognize it more in relationships as you get older, and Uh it makes you a little wiser. You know, you're able to spot things that aren't quite right instead of being, um, you know, just with the wool pulled over your eyes. I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just romanticizing it. I think you're right. right, I think you're right. Look at the glass half full. So, but yeah. Yeah. I, I understand. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, look at my daughter. She's a good example. hmm. True. How old is your true. daughter, Carrie? So 27. Mm. And she is expecting her first child. <gasps> oh, so, congratulations. Uh, I'm so excited. April 12th. So, yeah, her husband's 31. She's 27. And this is their first. It's so
2: exciting. So thrilling. How exciting. Mm. So, would you say that she is pretty healthy all around?
1: Yes, actually she is um, I her dad overdosed and died her senior year mm. but um, and then of course husband number two um, took his own life in 2017 oh, but Carrie. she um, she you know it was like there was just so much that happened with her dad. As hard as it could be at times, I never badmouthed him because I wanted her to figure things out on her own, like, you know, his behavior and different things. I think what was really hard was, you know, at one time he had a really successful business and then he started taking opioids and it just Mm. went, it spiraled really bad. And anyway, so he died. Well, his parents were already gone, so... We, like, planned a memorial for him and all those things. But she, you know, she actually went to trauma therapy before I did. And I've always been, like, seeing a therapist on and off. Self-help books, you name it, you know. But because I had told her and so had our neurologist. We had just said, you know, because of what happened with her dad – and I tried to explain to her, too, that, you know, m- I didn't know growing up. All I knew was toxic and narcissism. So I didn't know that's, like, not normal. Mm-hmm. But then when I had her, I was, like, 20. At By the time I was 25, I was so angry at my mother because I'm like, how could you have done mm-hmm. all of these things? Like, this is sick. And so I just told her. I was like, look, I... I really, I'm telling you, my 20s is when I got angry about parents that let me down. Mm -hmm. And so she did. And um, they just waited to the right time. But she just, you know, I was open about the mistakes that, or things that I had done in my life. Not necessarily regret. It was... This was the lesson I learned and it was a rough lesson mm-hmm. a really tough lesson. and no, she graduated from college. they built a house um, she's in a she's a manager um, in a marketing department. but I mean it wasn't an easy life for her, you mm-hmm. know necessarily, but I was always I feel like her support system and her biggest fan so, it's um i think they can come out the other side mm-hmm. and here now my grandchild isn't going to know any toxicity because we've
2: <gasps> removed those people You've from our lives the cycle she
1: literally broke every cycle like That's from amazing. domestic abuse to education i mean everything and i just i'm so proud of her because You know, people, even, like, when she would be achieving things just in school. Because, you know, she couldn't control her dad. So she would put all this pressure on herself for school. Because I'm like, girl, calm down, you know. (laughs) But what I always found interesting is people would be like, oh, you know, you must work really hard. And, you know, like, whatever. She, She was always getting some, like, let's say one of her... Herald awards or something but I'm like I'm just here for her I'm like Mm -hmm. she did the work I didn't I didn't do that work she did the work so it's like it's just interesting because there are parents who not that you're not supposed to you know be proud of yourself but it's their achievement Mm -hmm. and they treat it as it's their achievement right and that you Mm -hmm. know it's just interesting how people approach that yeah yeah, I don't know. I went off the rails. There.
2: <laughs> no, I think I it's, but it's a powerful lesson of how we can parent in a way that honors the child, breaks mm-hmm. the cycles of toxicity, breaks the cycles of abuse, gives the child agency, gives the child responsibility and ownership, mm-hmm. and lets the child make the decisions that they're going to make. And you're right, we're their guides, so their successes are theirs, and their
0: failures exactly. are
2: theirs and we're mm. there to guide them I think too many times we take all of that really deeply on ourself um, and I'm going to mm. totally put myself there you know we all do it um to the point you know, where we'll get our heart broken if they yell at us and say you're the meanest mom ever and I hate you and you're like, stab me in my heart. You know, and that's just, <laughs> it's not really about me. It's not really, that's not really what they're saying. What they're saying is, I don't like this. I don't like this rule. This doesn't mm. feel right to me. I don't understand it. And it's really our job to help them you know, understand where those rules came from, where that situation came from and mm. to talk to them about it. Okay. If it doesn't feel fair to you, why? And let's mm-hmm. have a talk about it. And I may or may not change my position on this based on our conversation, but at least right. I'm honoring you as a human being, you know, but and it's, understanding
1: they are humans. Mm-hmm. They're not just because they're kids. Doesn't they have big feelings,
2: big feelings. And we tend to say, I find myself doing this all the time you know when they're like oh, I'm so tired and I'm like well you just had school today I had work and I'm tired and now I've got to make dinner and I've got to do this and this and this and then I'm like well step back yeah school's exhausting and relationships it is. it's a full-time
1: with, job it
2: is relationships with your friends they're exhausting and managing all of this stuff that is their world their experience it's mm. a lot it's exhausting and for me to come at them and go your experience is less important than my experience and mm. my exhaustion is more important than your exhaustion and my frustration is more important than your frustration, well, then we're, we're continuing that gaslighting and that toxicity. Right. Because really their experiences are so real and so powerful. It's theirs. They
1: really are.
2: Yeah. Well, on
0: that mm-hmm. note, mm-hmm. I actually have something um, that Carrie is not aware of. I decided dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 that we're gonna do a speed
2: round. Uh oh. Of questions. Oh no. <laughs> speed round. I'm nervous. I'm sweating.
0: No, I like how she didn't even tell me. <laughs> it, it was just something that popped into my head earlier. Um, plus, this morning I wasn't feeling well, so I wasn't really sharing everything with her. So Great. that it's really it's lie re- by omission. No, Check. it's it's really it's. it's <laughs> I'm not gonna like have you divulge your social security number or anything. Don't worry. She um, did that
1: the other day. <laughs> I did do that to her.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I sent her a text. I need your social. Yeah, and she doesn't even question it. Okay. She sends it back. <laughs> by the way, have for a, her we Swiss got, bank account. And yeah, uh, by the way, I got us a twenty thousand dollar business loan. <laughs> <laughs> she knows I'm kidding. Yeah, All right. I know. Maybe.
2: Do you have a favorite quote? I do by Hans Christian Andersen. Let me see. Okay, I don't want to destroy it. It's um something long. Now I'm gonna mess it up. Um, all you need is sunshine, freedom, and a little flower. Aww. it's my first tattoo is <laughs> based on that. It was my <laughs> yes, it was my the inspiration for my first tattoo when I um, signed the the papers to really um, get the, the divorce process started. Mm-hmm. And my tattoo is in my bikini region because I was taken back my- <laughs> 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 is mine. It's mine, because I was never allowed to get a tattoo, right? Like I'd always wanted one, but I was never allowed. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, um, we all need sunshine freedom and a little flower. So it's yeah, just that idea true. of of that we need the beauty We need the freedom to be ourselves, and we need to find joy in whatever it is we're going through. I think I butchered the quote. No,
0: I will actually, all the, a lot of the stuff I'll put in the show notes too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now, that being said, do you have a favorite author or book? Yes,
2: about 500, and asking me (laughs) to pick my favorite author and book is one of the meanest things ever. Um... But yes, I do, for sure. I'm a big giant book nerd. I have a ton of favorite authors and books. Uh, Right now, Brene Brown and Martha Beck are kind of my big go-to's as far as Mm -hmm. inspiration and living in your authenticity and living Mm -hmm. shame-free. I love Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. I feel like that is such a, uh, it's a book I gave to like every, I ordered about 15 copies and just gave them to everybody. Um, and then nonfiction, I'm just a giant nonfiction fan, huge fan. Um, and I read, I'm sorry, fiction, not nonfiction. I read fiction all over the place and I have too many favorite authors there. Um, I would say my favorite book I read recently is by Matt Helig, Helig, Matt Haig, Haig. It's right here. Uh, Midnight Library and I read it right after reading Martha Beck um, Way, Way of Integrity
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it was such a synchronicity to read this book right after finishing Martha Beck because this is a book about living in your integrity oh and it is what caused me to kind of do the rebrand and the reshift in my personal podcast because I was like I wanted to live you know be a little more in my integrity and my a- authenticity so Anyway, and
0: not, great book, and, and, not, and not a lot of people do that, or, or has the courage to do that. I should say, no, yeah. they don't. Yeah, um, I have, I have two more, and then well, actually two more silly ones, and then the next one is not serious but serious. Um, favorite musician, song, or song?
2: Oh gosh, okay. So my all-time favorite musician is Pink. She's my girl. Oh. She, I, I love swear, her. she reads my diary when she's writing her songs. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah, Taylor's looks great mm-hmm. too. Uh, so I went, so pink's been my favorite, and my best friend Noni, who I lost to breast cancer mm-hmm. almost eight years oh, ago. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, one of the last things I got to do with her was go to a pink concert. and oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful experience, and getting to do that with her. I was already a giant pink fan, but now that that, that experience is mm-hmm. connected. It's, you know, there's no way to not be a pink fan now. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, I just think pink, pink embodies womanhood in so many ways. Like she is flipping Mm -hmm. strong as heck, you know, can fly across the room at every single concert she does. Um, She's strong and, and, and all of that, but she also loves Tinkerbell and, you know, pink glittery things and Mm -hmm. the way she's letting her children be who they are and um she just she shows up authentically in her music and and in her social media and in every event that she does in fact the concert i went to there was a problem with the sound at one point Mm. and she was so great with it she's like hey guys we're having a problem with the sound so I'm going to kick off my shoes and I'm going to I'm going to sit here and and we're going to do an acoustic because, you know, we're having problems with this digital mm-hmm. something. And, and so I'm just going to be here with you guys. And that was just so beautiful and real. She could have absolutely mm-hmm. been like, OK, we're going to take a 10 minute break while we yeah. figure this thing out. No, mm-hmm. no. Nope, yeah. nope. She was like, hey, I'm here with you. Literally took off her shoes. Somebody came out with a guitar. It was just great. You I know? love her. Nice. I, I do. I Me, do too. Love her. Me too. Me too.
0: All right. And the last one is, if you could interview anybody in the world on your podcast, who would it be? Oh, my
2: God.
1: Carrie oh, and God. Jenny. <laughs> 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 Carrie and Jenny. Definitely. <laughs>
2: Carrie and Jenny. <laughs>
0: um,
2: so I was making a dream guest list right before I got on with you, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, anybody, anybody, anybody. Dang, I would love to get Michelle Obama on.
0: Mm, yes, I am Absolutely. so yeah.
2: fascinated by her. Mm-hmm. I just, I find her. There's so many fascinating things about her, and I, I just, I, I just love how she holds herself and who she is as a woman oh, and, she's and in her grace.
1: She spoke at our company. Yeah. Did she? Oh, you're year. so lucky. Or last year.
2: Oh yeah. my god did you go yeah i'd love to have her on it i was virtual I, I feel well it wasn't easy. virtual for everyone oh, okay yeah <laughs> that's amazing I mm-hmm. that's amazing yeah it was
1: really good
2: yeah really
0: that she that she, she, she's definitely um like 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 you said her grace the way she holds herself and the way she rises above mm-hmm. all of the negativity the way she carried herself during um the campaign between Hillary and the man we won't talk about mm-hmm. um he who she, shall not be named <laughs> yes uh, we have several of those on this podcast but yes um she just just the way she holds herself to a higher standard and mm-hmm. it's so um i don't know regal i guess would be the word and, for it
2: and yet she speaks truth too, like that yes. that speech she made she where she did. was like yes. i live in a house that slaves made and yeah. i tell my girls look at this like this is where we live, and, and to have those mixed feelings about that, and to be able to talk yeah. about that and share it like, that's really brave it and is. open. And like, it, it makes me want to cry thinking about it. Like, I never thought about it until she said it. I was, wow, mm-hmm. how would that feel? How would that feel? And it's so mixed, so many mixed emotions with that. And I just, in so many ways, to me, she is the epitome of um, just, well, a strong, radically audacious woman. You know, just,
0: yeah,
2: just a a phenomenal. So she really is. I
0: wish she would run for president.
2: I know. Yeah. I would
0: hate to see. I don't I don't think she will but yeah yeah
2: I feel like that position (laughs) ruins people yeah (laughs) I would hate to see her it almost strips power from people Mm -hmm. right like for the like caring loving people it almost strips their power a bit in the sense that they have to please so many people and yeah. I feel like she can make so many more changes outside of that mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is a good point. It is. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. I the wrong desperate. people, it kind of gives them too much power. But the right oh. people, yeah. it almost seems to take their power because they just want to do yeah. the right thing. And, and that becomes mm-hmm. almost impossible. Very true.
0: Good point. Yeah. See, everyone always has a different side, you know, <laughs> different... <laughs> different view and i mean it's wrong or right it's just it's it's eye-opening sometimes different perspective yeah yeah we could all be we can all in this world stand to um be open to different perspectives and i agree you know so i agree on that note thank you so much for joining us today it was truly a pleasure
2: thank you so much pleasure too um will you guys come and be guests on my show yes of absolutely. course. <laughs> oh good i would love it <laughs> we
0: should also do like an instagram live or something maybe you know oh that would be a
2: blast i would love it
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> for more information about tiffany and where you can listen to her podcast uh check out our show notes and her website is www.tiffanykane.com and that is spelled with a ph and not an f all right. Well, you. I want you to have a great night and week, weekend, morning, whatever it is when your people are listening. So, yeah. <laughs> until the next until time. the next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.